just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Everybody, we are live. This is episode thirty-six. Been at this for thirty-six months here now. That's what three years. If you do the math, correct? Three years. That's amazing. February twenty twenty-one. February looks like it's spelled wrong. Maybe I'm off. But today we're talking about January twenty-one statistics. What is HARP? I actually don't know what that is. And then real estate ups and downs and other news across the country. Hi, everybody. Yep, My name is Dean Ueda. I'm a real estate investor and realtor in Honolulu, Hawaii. Let's jump into some exciting news. You heard it here first on the Brothers Live. January 2021, median single family home prices will be setting a new record. So two days from now, you'll hear it on home of the border realtors, but it's going to be a, probably about 884,000. We may be off by a, a few thousand, but I believe it's going to be breaking a new record previously set. It's in last year in September at $880,000. Yeah, it's again, it's a very strong real estate market right now. It continues to be on the condo side, still healthy at $450,000 for the median price for condos and townhouses. So once we get into January statistics, I have it early for you. Again, two days earlier, usually Honolulu Board of Realtors comes out with their statistics on the sixth day of the following month. So in general, I'm putting these graphs in and more of to look at the trends. yeah. And I do put the numbers on the right side, condos um, for closed sales. In January, we have 391 transactions for condos and townhouses and single family. We have 288 transactions. It's a dip from December and it's natural because from the holidays, from Thanksgiving to Christmas and New Year's, people tend to stop actively searching for real estate because of their various activities, seasonal activities. During that late November, December time, because of the lack of getting into transactions, now we see it in the December timeframe where the closings uh, go down. Yeah? So that's a natural seasonality that we see with the trends both here and nationally and probably internationally. So some other things, we look at new listings. And so this is a good, healthy thing to see where we have a bump up in January. So you can see on the right-hand side, so condos, New listings for January is 671 and for single family, we have 366. But the more important thing, again, is that it's popping up. So that's a good sign for buyers. And again, it's based on the previous slide where we had less transactions going on and closing. So of course, I guess I take that back. That's irrelevant because this is new listings popping up. So more people deciding to put their properties on market. Yeah, I guess it could be tied in because people on the sales side are going to hold off too. Yeah, so. That's the storyline, right? 2020 was a very uncertain year. Sellers, they say that people didn't feel comfortable walking people through their house, whether that's true or not. Right. I don't quite yeah. buy, but now there's a light at the end of the tunnel. 
um, as people are getting vaccines. I, Believe it or not, uh, but I see it on the commercial side. A lot of brokers are finally getting sellers to sell right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. With the vaccines coming out, there's hope, right? But I think there's some truth to it because we have a lot of the older population, more conservative mindsets here on Oahu. I do think that there are people out there, there are potential sellers out there who are holding back. And the funny thing is, the more I talk to people, the ones that I can reach out to and get in contact with either in person or on the phone, I do realize that the level of conservancy in terms of this whole COVID thing and, and the, there's two extremes in terms of the ones that are going out and about every day and you have the other extreme where you're just becoming a hermit and, and truly for the last year ha- haven't been leaving the house unless you had to go buy toilet paper or something. So I, I, I think there is some truth to that. And I do feel as time goes on and the vaccine comes out, there will be more inventory popping up. And I guess you could say the inventory loosening up, if you will. Yeah. No comment here. But to your point, Lane, you see it on the macro level too. And you see the commercial side as well. And the difference too is on the commercial, it is business, right? So on the yeah. residential side, it is more personal. You can time things a little bit more versus business. It's a little bit different drive, yeah. You know? One is to- more emotional, right? I would say right. commercial is more logical. But yeah, Hawaii is the, probably the most conservative in terms of health restrictions. And we also lead the league in unemployment right now as a state. Yep, so. yep. A lot of it is due to our main industries. But surprisingly, even with that said, the real estate market is still seeming to hold on. And so that's a good thing. Back to the slides, months of inventory, right? So this is telling us for it to stop having more new inventory popping up, how long it would take for what currently is on market to sell off. So you can see as the trends go on this is going downward right so condos we have three months of inventory but single family homes it's going even more down at 1.3 as such it's a very strong seller's market especially for single family homes and that's nothing new i think we've said that for a while now yeah and, and this makes sense right january february 2020 single family homes have a little bit more wider space and then I'm going to talk a little about the trends of people, more affluent people who are really not impacted by COVID very much economically. Mm-hmm. They're looking for second homes and dispersed a little bit. Yep, 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 totally. Okay, now transitioning to Harpda. So what is Harpda? So this is something specific to Hawaii. So if you're a, someone who purchased real estate or owns real estate, in Hawaii, this is something that can potentially affect you in the future. And HARPTA stands for Hawaii Real Property Tax Act. And it basically requires withholdings of 7.25% from the proceeds of a real estate transaction from the seller if they are a non-resident to Hawaii. And the main reason for this is because the state of Hawaii wants to ensure that the the seller or the the owner has has been going to pay or has paid their general excise taxes and TAT if applicable, and that if they need to, they are going to also pay for their taxable gains to the state of Hawaii. And if it's a non-resident, there's not much re- recourse. So just think of it as your employer when they withhold taxes for your benefit, similar to that, right? And the thing about too is if you don't have any gain. 
and you're current on your GE taxes and TAT taxes, then you could get all of your withholdings back. And another thing too is there's also ways to get it back early. But I would recommend that you don't uh, falsify your residency as a Hawaii resident just to get away from harp the withholdings. And the reason why this slide came about is because I actually got a call the other week from a friend. And it wasn't them, but someone was considering using a local address and stating that they are a resident just to avoid these withholdings. But I wouldn't recommend that. And my recommendation was just to inform the non-resident that you'll get what you deserve, but what's right for you, it'll just take time when you file your Hawaii tax returns for that respective year that you sold the property. So a lot of times the slides that we we talk about here, Elaine, are based on real experiences or real topics. So I like to to bring them about because I think they might be applicable to others. Yeah. And then the next topic I wanted to cover was we talk about investing for cash flow and we talk about investing for appreciation. And Elaine, as well as I do that, historically, Hawaii, Oahu has been known for not really estate investing for cash flow it's for appreciation so the challenge with that is you can't time it right so what i did was in our last episode i took an example right we took a, a property that closed in 2020 at the end of the year and we looked at to see how it performed what i wanted this time was i took a look at the median prices for condos and single families on oahu historically back to 1985 and I wanted to look at the good times and the bad times. So one of the worst periods for Oahu real estate was back in 1993 to 1999. And if you go back one slide, Lane, sorry, you're talking about the Oahu real estate market. So for the median prices for condos, especially we had a big decrease, which was caused by the bursting of the Japanese economic bubble. And we had a lot of Japanese investors back in the early 90s that were investing in Hawaii. What happened was from 1993 to 1999, we had a big decrease. And and this example is using, again, median prices for condos and townhouses, but from 193,000 in 1993 to 125,000 in 1999. So that's a 35% decrease in the median price for townhouses and condos. Another example on the next slide lane is regarding another bad time, which was, of course, the subprime crisis. I think it, it affected all of us, yeah, nationally, internationally. So in this scenario, I was looking at single-family homes, median prices again, and there was a decline of 11%, and it took us six years to recover. And mind you, when you look at the stock market and other states, there was 50-plus percent decline for the stock market as well as other really bad states that got affected. But the positive thing on the stock market side is it took less time to recover. It took four years for the the markets to come back to the previous highs. So those are the bad times, right? So now in terms of talking appreciation, we talk about the good times. So one of the, the better times was right after the the big crash from the Japanese bubble, which was 2001 to 2005. So when we're looking at single family homes, we were seeing a, a big jump. So from, it was actually 290, but I rounded up to 300,000 in 2001 to 590,000 in 2005. So that's almost a 200% increase or 200% appreciation in your property for single family. And then one thing to 
consider is that we talk about this two lane as a power of leverage, right? So we have in 2001, for example, if you were to buy a median price home at 300000 with leverage and you put down 20%, you would be putting down $60,000. Then on that $60,000, if you were to held that property and it went to five hundred ninety in four years, that's a 290% increase and then that's a 484% increase. And so if you talk about annual rate of return on your initial investment, that's a 46% annual rate of return, which is not too shabby. So again, the, the whole point is appreciation when you have it is always going to trump your cash flow, right? Any day. But the problem is you can't time appreciation. And in the grand spectrum of things, as I said earlier, is that cash flow and appreciation, uh, Hawaii, for the most part, is definitely on the appreciation side of that spectrum. You know? So I just wanted to talk about the good and the bad of real estate in Hawaii historically, and just to give everyone more of a perspective of the kind of ups and downs we go through. And then you can draw your conclusions in terms of, is that something you want to do based on your long-term real estate investment goals? Yeah. So. Yeah. Appreciation is what builds legacy, but cash flow is what puts food on the table. Unfortunately, people will hear what you just said, Dean, and they'll go and roll the dice on Bitcoin or big assets like that. But so, you know, I've got my story here in 2009. I bought my first rental for 360 in Seattle. Much better appreciation market than Hawaii. Blows Hawaii out of the water. Today, that property is worth 800 something. Wow. More than doubled in 11 years. But I Again, sold that property a long time ago. I tell you what, I grew it a lot more than 500 grand with that one. The key is taking the cash flow and not spending it, but buy more assets to then have more appreciate. That's the key. That's the hard thing to quantify. That's not, yeah, you're right. 484% is a lot, but when you compound it on itself, that's where real change. Right. And you just have that snowball and like you said, that compound effect to keep going. And like you said, that's part of the whole building your legacy wealth, but you need to stay on track and stay on target when you do that. You know? yeah. So if you guys want to learn more about mainland investing and cash flow, check out my podcast, oldpassivecashflow.com. So remember when you first met me, Dean, I was doing these turnkey rentals back in the day. I do. So I, I do. put all the recordings in a little digital Google Drive for folks. If you want to download all that, give it to your nephew who's under a quarter million dollars network and wants to buy some rentals. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey slash download to download that. I've made this because I just, I don't know, as I'm closing that chapter in my life, uh, I wanted to archive it for everybody to grab. But starting out with some tax changes, Biden took over on the 15th. Here is a report from Ernst & Young. You didn't work for Ernst & Young, did you? I was with a different big five firm, okay. or big five at the time. Yeah, I was with PwC, yeah. yeah. Cool. So these guys, they put together a, like a preliminary tax changes report. Now, a lot of these things, they're going to go through some changes. Some things coming down the pipeline, a higher corporate rate. And one of Trump's biggest things is repatriotizing a lot of money back to the states so they would pay taxes. The minimum tax, Biden's 15% on book income from corporations, the book income over $100 million. Again, a lot of this stuff is going to 
go through some iterations. And uh, for those of you guys listening on the podcast, which by the way, we are also in podcast form. We put this up every month in audio format. But those of you guys listening, uh, check out the YouTube channel and arialoha.com for all these videos. If you want to see what we're looking at, we'll tease you with somewhat poor descriptions of what's happening there. That, that's Thanos's glove that you're seeing there. And he's saying a lot of these things could just snap go away, such as the 1031 exchange, which I think is an absolutely form of not paying taxes. Oh, I heard the 1031. I heard that the new administration was trying to get rid of the 1031. Good. Let them have it. I don't use that cash <laughs> strategy at all anyway. I Actually, I do like it because every time I'm trying to sell an apartment, it's always a sucker 1031 buyer who's my buyer. And I know they're desperate and they always overpay because they're desperate to buy. They're just a yeah. spy. But from what I've heard, they're going to give up the 1031 exchange indirectly to get this thing, the $15,000 potential homebuyer tax credit for new folks. So eh, this isn't enough for me to buy a house in Hawaii. Well, this is nothing for a down payment <laughs> in Hawaii, right? But it should get people moving. I still think this is a drop in the bucket, right? When in 2010, 11, 12, they had the $8,000 tax credit. I took advantage of it back then. But as I look back, it didn't really change things other than for a month or two if people have the money they're gonna they're gonna buy a house if they don't 15 grand to me isn't gonna really do anything but great if you guys are on the fence gonna buy a house anyway um, be on the lookout for this this is a pretty good chance of happening so other things that are happening one of the big things biden is gonna do is hurt guys over four hundred thousand dollars agi i think you should be and find ways to lower your agi using passive activity losses and other tax strategies so that shouldn't really impact you anyway but if you are, your butt's hanging out there. Yeah, be on the lookout. They're coming to chop off heads over $400,000 AGI. Yeah, a lot of these things are being phased out. It's not going to be overnight. It certainly isn't going to be implemented right away. A lot of it's going to be grandfathered in. And I also do think that there's going to be a lot of more solar credits potentially. I'm watching that personally. He's going to have a Made in America credit to try and bring back a lot of industrial facility. I'm looking at industrial deals. So that's exciting. There's the solar credits and other, maybe get the credits on the next Tesla, who knows, some child credits. But a lot of this is yet to be decided upon. We just uh, signed a guaranteed maximum price contract on our development deal in Huntsville. This was a little page I took out of my old day job working for the city in Washington state. But this is in every, I don't know where it is in the Hawaii wash dots, but there's this thing in here where if the contractor you have finds a better way of doing the job that's cheaper, you can build it into your contract to both partake in the savings to you or incentivize your contractor to save you money. But if you're doing a burst strategy, like they don't care, they don't have the level of sophistication, they don't care, they got open checkbooks, so they probably don't even care. But something to think about if you have a bigger development deal and uh, you're able to align yourself with your contractor here, VE, CP, save. I think it's value engineering something. I don't know what it stands for. But yeah, take a look at this. I don't know. You want to talk about this? I was wondering if you're going to bring this up. That's Can you explain awesome. to me what happened? I frankly didn't care. Yeah, my, my understanding was that they call it the rich were, everyone was shorting, on the rich people were shorting the, the stock of the hedge funds. The smart money. Uh, correct, is. correct. So was it Reddit? I think there was one blog post or something that had a strong following and they said, let's counter, let's fight back. 
And so let's bump up the GameStop stocks by, by buying it and, and driving the prices up. And so that blogger had so much clout that they got people to do that. And then you had, on the other hand, you had Robinhood, the owner of Robinhood. They, they started restricting transactions for GameStop and as well as the other companies that these people were trying to artificially support, I guess you could say. And, but the interesting thing is even like Elon Musk came on and he, he called out the Robinhood CEO or owner and saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Because you're basically, you're messing with capitalism and free trades. Like you said, Lane, I, I wasn't really paying attention to it. Then, then my wife's uh, father's friend started bringing it up and wow, they're even talking yeah. about it. So I was like, yeah, I better look it up. And so I did but, a bit of research. But it, it, it's good. It's like the whole 1% thing back in, was that 10 years ago? The, the, yeah, the like, yeah. I like how that became in the common vernacular of people, right? That, yeah. yeah, guys, 1% does own... 99.99% of all the wealth yep. out there. Yeah. I thought this was a great, whether people remember it or not yep. later, but that, yeah, this is exactly what Wall Street does to manipulate prices. So maybe now we should, is when we should short games. Again, I haven't been following it like you. I just did a little quick research to, to find out what was going on too, because I'm really out of the market too. But I was, so I did some research and that's what I found out. And I was like, if it's being artificially, held up because that price is not based on any fundamentals so it's yeah the future of GameStop is unless they do some kind of drastic change to their business plan it's shops within malls which are hurting so badly that it doesn't make sense when you're looking at the future the Ford P ratio and all that stuff so maybe we should be shorting it right now but it's all fake money man (laughs) I look Guys, full disclosure, I own no paper assets. I have no stock holdings. So it's all fun and games to me. So sorry if you lost a lot of money or some this little game played around with your whole retirement fund. I'm sorry. But you know, when you're going to learn hard assets, real estate. But yeah, this is why I don't do this type of stuff. Because when a bunch of kids in Robinhood can manipulate the market like that, I want nothing to do with it. I want to do stuff that people have do not have access to. It's quite impressive, yeah. That the power of I don't know, I guess you could call it social media, and the backing, the financial back, backing behind it was able to do that. So that's impressive. But to your point, that's scary, right? I don't know. This is gonna come off sort of political. Hopefully. Like Robinhood, why Robinhood shut it down, right? Because I'm sure somebody was pointing the right. gun at their head for to shut right. it down. And that's money. exactly what Elon. Mr. Musk was bringing up was like, you know, hey, what, what are you doing? And what's the reason behind this? So that was a big deal. I think you can find that chat on YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah. At what point does free speech and censoring people doing what they want to do? Other than inciting riots, of course. Right? We don't <laughs> want any of that. But yeah, this, I don't know. That's just my outlook on the world. It's ran by large companies. It's a corporatocracy that we live in. I know you heard about Re- Representative um, Green, right? That she got kicked off all of those committees that she was on because of her conspiracy theories and her social media posts. And she was oh. wearing a mask that said free speech. So that one goes both ways, if you will. Yeah, that's all I have. I don't know. I try not to follow that stuff. But in that theme of doom and gloom, right? Here's this chart of all the things that can go wrong, ranging from impact to likelihood. You got things like infectious diseases, interstate conflict, state collapses, price instability, digital inequality. I don't even know what that is. Terrorist <laughs> attacks. Yeah. Infectious disease, that's pandemic, I guess. 
involuntary yeah. migration. A lot of things could go wrong, but we're still here. So I need some help unpacking this. So here is some findings off of John Burns, who is a real estate consulting company. Who I like them because they're pretty unbiased. They advise institutional funds and home builders, and they just give them the data that these pop people want to hear, and and, the cor- and they make loose correlations and causations and draw conclusions. But the first thing they found was general migration from suburban locations increased within metros. Buyers are seeking less density, larger floor plans, control over private outdoor spaces. Example, Bay Area workers are moving to Stockton or Seattle built people are moving up to Tacoma. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. A second mm-hmm. thing here, migration away from gateway cities to secondary markets. So people are moving away from those kind of bigger city centers into smaller metros like Boise, Spokane, Charleston. That's necessarily saying they're good places to invest, but it's a general trend. And then as you're saying, I think this one goes hand in hand with your deviation between condo inventory and single family home inventory in Hawaii. The national trend is luxury and second home sales soared in locations drivable from most major coastal markets. So if you think of it like Salt Lake, people are moving to daybreak, if you know what that is, or Las Vegas, people are moving to summer. So people are trying to, unfortunately, through this pandemic, as most crises are, it impacts people differently. The low end got hammered. The high end pretty much just worked from home and ordered Grubhub and were a little bored with their lives and a little cranky because they can't (laughs) buy their uh, courtside tickets or go on luxury vacations. (laughs) I know Dean's a little cranky. He can't go to Japan. But what do you do? You buy nicer houses or just... One example, a guy, he was in, in my master, he was going to go buy an Audi and he, cause he was thinking like the rest of us, oh, I'm going to go buy as the pandemic going on. I think they might be desperate to sell me a car. I might get a good price. Not quite the case. Demand is super high. Right. People got nothing better to do. They're poor. They want to go buy a car if they have the money. Yeah. There are people are doing more improvements to their home because they're, they're home for so long now. So if they're already happy with the size of their home, then maybe it's they're doing improvements. And because you're home so often, now you're starting to uh, realize the, the flaws. Just yesterday, we installed a whole bunch of um, plantation shutters in our house. <laughs> that wasn't my call. That was, that was the other stakeholder in this house. Yeah. Yeah, if it was up to you, you just have replaced the one jealousy window. We had the curtains, the curtains from Bed Bath & Beyond. If you and I were married, Dean, we'd have no problem. We'd spend Dude. no money on these. these Dude, it would be awesome. have so much disposable <laughs> income. But certainly that's not the case. Uh, back to the John Burns report. New home sales <laughs> at the top 50 master plans. So these are like the big master plan communities. These are the ones that make Core Ridge look like nothing on the mainland. So that's up. Expect low mortgage rates and buyer sense of urgency to improve living situations, as we just mentioned, to support a strong demand well into 2021. So if you're at home counting, ding, that's a plus sign right there. Number one, new home prices rose 8% year for year across the nation. That's exactly what Dean is saying locally here. Robust demand and limited supply driving prices up, up. We do not forecast this trend to change anytime soon. But there are some headwinds. Let's go walk through them a little bit. Finished inventory per community remains, at, I don't know how to pronounce that, low. <laughs> Falling 54% to below one completed home per community on average. So what are they saying here? Like construction or absorption is a little slower. 
builders are restricting sales at 28% of their communities nationally to align with production capacity and lot supply. I think a lot of that just has to do with like shortage of like appliances. We all know that's going on. And then lumber is kind of high. We're being a little slow when we procure lumber ourselves for our own projects. And I mentioned about that low supply runs there. Building product delays and shortages continue to play the builders. And our resale home supply remains low in most metros. Low supply, just like here in Hawaii. The Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University, definitely not a article you're going to read at yahoo.com or on some website. But this article I found had a lot of great findings. During downturns, the expectation that the house's prices will decline. But that's not what happened. It's increased and certainly not to increase at such extraordinary high rates. Causes due to tight labor markets, the unemployment rate, although it peaked at 14.7% in April, came down to a still weak level of 6.7% in November with still room to improve. You guys got to remember before this health crisis came along, the country was humming on all cylinders. Unemployment was at 3.5% which is phenomenal. Inflation, the consumer price index has been running low for years and was only up 1.1% in 12 months ending November 20th, 2020. Uh, Therefore, strong house price increases are not simply reflecting inflation. They're extremely high on a real adjusted inflation adjusted basis. And this is just my input on it. We just pumped three, four trillion dollars into the system. Stocks are at all time highs. Inflation is not here. Yet. I, that's what I used to think. But supposedly okay. when I watch the teachings of Sir Richard Duncan, okay. he's saying that we're not on the gold standard. The country can just print money as we see fit as long as we control the money supply. So that logic may not be in the future. Yeah. Okay. Still, I think it's coming in some shape or form. They just, the same price for the ice cream, but the ice cream is a lot smaller, right? If As a kind of indicator in real life at the supermarket. Loose lending mortgage bumble, the national average leverage of a single family home is extremely low at 34%. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Those with money and, and jobs, we're socking in a way where our consumer debt is getting lower and lower or not taking off like how it used to. It's flatlined in a little bit. That's a good thing, right? And that's why there's less risk of us getting into that that similar situation with the subprime crisis with properties being underwater. Right. Where is all this like, oh, the recession's coming, recession's coming. Like we're in good shape. This this is as the Joint Center of Housing Studies of Harvard University says, this is not a repeat of 2008. Ultra low rates, Federal Reserve pushed on interest rates to low levels in early 2020 and promised to keep ultra low rates for years to come. Don't listen to your lending broker. Probably going to be like this for the next I would say two to three years. Yep, that's what I was thinking too. Housing production shortfall. Prior to 2008, housing production was cyclical with volumes that significantly went above a long-term trend line in good times. So if you think back in the big short, all those new track, new home builds, these big, big developments, that's how they would do it back in the day. But since 2008, the dynamic has been broken after declining severely in financial crisis, the number of housing units completions has yet to be fully recovered. There's a shortage, and this has never been reached, much less surpassed its long-term trend line. Cumulatively, the shortfall in the number of units produced since 2008 is estimated to be at least 3 to 5 million. A recent increase to about 1.4 completions per year is encouraging, but 
would need to be even higher, more like 1.6 million units a year to meet current growth in household formation, never mind the backlog of years of underproduction. Now, maybe everybody in the United States or in the mainland is doing what we do in Hawaii where we just live with our parents. I think that's unlikely. I think you guys are having too many babies. That's that's the issue. Or immigration, right? That's what it's all coming down to. Yeah, that's a quicker way to bump up uh, yeah. our population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And America's population is increasing. Yeah. Fewer houses for sale here. We talked about that a few times today. A shift in family spending towards housing. We talked about that. I'm going to describe your family, the Weta family here. <laughs> Households are shifting their spending patterns less for travel and vacations, concerts, shows, eating out, entertaining and commuting, and more for housing, especially if more space is needed to work from home. Let me translate. Dean could not go snowboarding, eat sushi in Japan. He instead used that money to buy plantation-style windows. Practical application. Very good. (laughs) Yes, yes. The data comes true in real life. And pandemic-induced acceleration in purchase of second homes. Dean, you're going to buy a second home, man? Is this what's happening? Not planning on it. We're more looking for cash-flowing things. That's why we're friends. Although I would like a friend who gets a beachfront second home. Like how everybody wants a friend with that boat, right? We'll get there. We'll get there, Lane. Maybe one day. Likely. It's not how we got here. Some top 10 emerging multifamily markets. Huntsville, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Colorado Springs, Omaha, Nebraska, Reno, Savannah, Des Moines, New Orleans, Birmingham, Knoxville. These are all tertiary markets. So these aren't the super big, I would say it's probably like a few million population or less. So these are the top 10 emerging multifamily markets. Savannah Hilton Head. That's an interesting one because I always thought, well, Hilton Head was more of a tourist. Yeah, Savannah, Georgia. And I think Hilton Head is like South Carolina, but Savannah's, that's where, I know the tourism and that's where Forrest Gump was filmed, I think. But that's interesting. That's a cool one. I never thought of that. That's nowhere near Atlanta. It's in Georgia, but I think it's on the southern time looking at it right now. Oh, okay. I see. It's it's like halfway between Charleston, South Carolina and Jacksonville, Florida. Well, that makes sense. But even Hilton Head is more of a, a, a tourist spot. I thought they have like convention centers over there too. So that's a that's a interesting one. I think that sparks interest. It's like a Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi. Let me know if you have any syndications over there. Savannah? Jeez, there's got to be somewhere closer, huh? That was a long flight. Yeah. Maybe one of this is what's spurring Huntsville. United States Space Command just selected... Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama as the preferred location of the U.S. Space Command headquarters. I don't know what that is, but it's probably a lot of smart people and a lot of good paying jobs. So Fannie Mae released an article on January 15th. Headline is, Economic Growth Expected to Accelerate as Vaccine Deployment Weakens and Warmer Weather Approaches. Quickens. Yep. The United States economy is expected to go 5.3% in 2021. So that's Fannie Mae saying that. Wow. Commercial property executive, vaccine to trigger, quarter three, CRE recovery, with an expected turnaround expected to begin mid-2021. Okay, <laughs> see a trend. So this is out the Fannie Mae report. So I highlighted here what they're forecasting for GDP growth. Wow. Look at that. 4.8%, quarter three, 7.5%. And that's correlated to inflation too, right? Three, 3% is supposed to be inflation. Which is, if that's expected, then that's 
way higher than we've had historically for the last 10 years. I think they've always been targeting two and we've never hit it. Which I think two to three percent is normal, but like this is the snapback. And this is why I feel like the next six months is going to be better get in. Better get in. It's good. It's a good sign. Very good. Positivity, right? Positivity. Unless you're a perma bear and everything's always doing Freddie Mac, which is Fannie Mae's brother, also says the same thing. Projects rents to increase in most markets and originations to rebound. Oh, the U-Haul report came out. Oh. Another year. For you guys who don't know, the U-Haul report is a great report that Dean and I follow, which is supposed to be indicative of working class folks moving themselves. If you guys are rich, you probably had your company move you with a van line. Not do it yourself with a U-Haul. So U-Haul kind of tracks this and... The top 12 markets are that people are moving into, out of. So this is good if you're investing now. Are the states are Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Ohio, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, Nevada, North Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, and then Indiana. That whole. So the top three again are Tennessee, Texas, Florida. And are the numbers in parentheses what they ranked prior year? That's correct. So last year it was Florida number one. Texas, number two, and North Carolina. Tennessee, shout out to be number one, or spot last year. I think the big thing that I take away from this is Texas, Florida are always up there. The consistency, yeah. If we're talking football, to me, like, where do you want to invest? It's a no-brainer. Definitely not Hawaii, which leads the league in unemployment. But it's Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Arizona. You take those six... It's like these guys that try and debate the their top five NBA of all time. The goat. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You take those six, probably gonna do a lot better than any of the other forty four. Yeah, you can do what you guys want to do. I don't know what I'm doing with mine. So Biden also signed the fifty uh, one point nine trillion dollar relief bill January fifteenth. I think this is what the third or fourth stimulus. Hard to keep track, but definitely a lot of stimulus for the extended eviction. Eviction and foreclosure month at end of September. Emergency rental and utility assistance. $1,400 stimulus checks for qualifying adults. And then some other benefits. So they're saying there's probably going to be, I'd say there's probably one or three more stimuluses coming down this year. And here, just a recap of some other real estate surprises. This kind of impacts you, Mardine, like the sales team took ownership and did what they could do to connect purchases. You guys did a lot of in-person show or virtual showing. Yeah, let's check the... Do you guys have any question and answer box? Let's get some of those questions if you guys... But if not, we've hit the end of the content. Any takeaways from this month, Dean? Anything you're going to do differently? Investing? Move something around? I'm probably going to... Now, I'll try to short GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe... I like... When you bring up the U-Haul reports a lot and that that it's a very good, like you said, we're talking about using the fundamentals, whatever you're investing in, if it's the stocks or real estate, you wanna, it, it comes back down to the, the fundamentals and, and why you're investing in an area or in, in something specific. That's That was a good reminder to me to make sure. You always tease me with my Illinois property and yeah, and, and the truth is you're, you're right. That was one of my properties that's getting affected in terms of we're looking at rent rates now that the, my tenant is going to move out and rent rates are going down and a lot of it's possibly due to the people emigrating out of the state and stuff. I'm looking at potentially divesting out of these areas that I guess your U-Haul report would corroborate. And so, Is that Chicago? 
Is that what yes. it is? Yeah, man, you got to get out of there. That state yeah. is sinking quick. Yeah. So, like, I think going back, yeah, just the whole point in, in terms of make sure when you're investing, you're looking at the fundamentals and you're, you have good reason for why you're investing where you're investing. Yeah. I would say I'm, I got a guy in Gary, Indiana, which mm. is right over the border. They are so happy because everybody's getting the heck out of Illinois and Chicago. That people are oh. just moving right on the other side of the border, which is on the Indiana side of Gary. Gary, is that where Michael Jackson Favre? That sounds familiar. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Gary's probably not famous for anything. Good place to invest. Yeah, Mark says the data he likes Idaho Falls. Yeah, I know a lot of people. There's a lot of speak about Boise. I think it's a lot of like folks that are trying to get out of California that already have a lot of money. Again, it depends what your investment thesis is. I personally like to go where like the blue collar workforce is as opposed to the retired folks. And invest where, go where everyone else is not investing. You don't want to be. Generally, you know, people are moving to the Southern states for the warm, the better economic growth areas. But uh, but yeah, looks like we hit another month, guys. Again, we post all these on the podcast. Check out the podcast. Anything you're doing? Any, you think an open house? People want to say hi to you, Dean, or anything else you want to talk about? I'm actually sitting and open on Super Bowl Sunday. But no, I, what I'm doing, I'm actually, for me personally, on my finance side, I think we talked about it. I'm doing some refinances on some investments on the mainland. And I'm also slowly getting my funds out of my IRA into a self-directed solo 401k so that I can put it in alternative investments and not the stock market. I requested the transfer out of my old, what was it, Fidelity and the check's going to come to me and then I'm going to have to send it out to my trust account at my bank and then I'll have checkbook control of my solo 401k so I can do one of your syndications lane probably and then maybe some other alternative investments. So that's what's what I've been doing besides the real estate sales and my being the TA and IT support for my kids home from school. Yeah, I'm sure your friends at Fidelity are working swiftly at that. And I will be surprised <laughs> if they get that done before our next. Level. So we'll check back in, Sounds see if good. they got that checked in. But all right, man. See you, okay. everybody. Thanks. Bye, Bye. everybody. Thank you. Bye. Free Real Estate Investing Group. Check out reialoha.com. Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal, tax, or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.